level up, and welcome to Coffee Break with God, the podcast where we explore the wonders of faith in everyday life. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode, we'll have a conversation with a guest who will share their stories, insights, and wisdom on how they connected with God in the midst of their busy and chaotic world. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or whatever you like, and join us on a coffee break with God. Well, good morning, Graceful Warriors. Welcome to the Coffee Break with God. Hey, I'm your host, Monica Hansen. And today, oh my gosh, we have a great, great story that was brought to me just all of a sudden. And I had to jump on this. And we have a master sculpture artist by the name of Sabin Howard. And th- his his talent in this is just outstanding. I was just blown away by this. Um, he grew up in New York City, part of Italy. He studied art in the in the Philly Philadelphia College of Art, and has just got such a talent. He has earned an MFA from New York, and he is on board of the National Sculpture Society. So, um, without further ado, please welcome the master sculpture artist. Sabin Howard. Hey, Monica. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hello, Sabin. Thank you for coming on here. So um, I'm really excited to get into this story. Um, First of all, just give a little bit more. Um, I could not do it justice by just giving a little bit of background of you, but please just let the people know who you are and what you do. Uh, Sure. Uh, So um, I was born in 1963, and my mother's Italian, my dad's American. And uh, the reason I'm telling you that is because uh, that has a really large impact on uh, the art and the artist that I became. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I grew up with this, you know, the splendor of Italy and the, the beauty that you have in the tradition of the Renaissance. And then mm-hmm. also being in New York City in the 60s, I mean, you got to remember that's like the 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 beginning of like massive counterculture movement against Vietnam. Yes, huge amount of war, uh, just creativity of thinking outside the box that anything is possible. So a combination of that visual beauty and anything is possible is basically that's my hard drive. That's what that's right. how that set up. And right. um, I didn't start making art till I was nineteen. Um, wow. And. And so I was like a zero. I, I couldn't even draw anything beyond a stick. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, and really, that was 1982 in Philly, uh-huh. Philly. Um, I, I, uh, I had I gotten laid off uh, on a job as a recession with Jimmy Carter back then, and uh-huh. um, so I went in the Yellow Pages and I got. Um, as many addresses as I could of like cabinet maker shops. And I found one in South Philly and I started on Monday as an apprentice doing cabinet making. Right. And Thursday I was like, no, this is not going to work. And I went to the boss and I said, um, listen, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, but I'm, I just, it's not working. And it, the reason was that I was like sweeping floors, putting wood into a 50 gallon uh, oil container, to keep the room warm and basically wow. standing. Uh, through the grades, uh, the wood, uh, the, these cabinets. And I was like, I'm not using my brain here. I got to do something better. And I told him, I can't do this. He goes, well, I'm not going to pay you. And I basically, being the rebel that I was and still am, I said, F you. <laughs> I walked out the door. I call, I, I go to payphone and I call my dad, collect, because I had no money. And uh-huh. I'm going to go to art school. I got to do, I, I got to go to art school. And he goes, how long is this going to last? And so I hung up on him. Uh-huh. And then, I called the Philadelphia College of Art and um, I asked to speak to admissions. And so I get on the phone with this lady and this lady says, um, well, do you have a portfolio um, that you could show me? And I said, what is a portfolio? I didn't even oh, know. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Over, if I walk over to this school on Broad Street with these big Doric columns. It's like a Greek temple type building. I'd known it because I was walking home every day by it. Uh-huh. And... Um, she sits me down and she says, listen, you got to 
you got to make a portfolio and there's a book called drawing on the right side of the brain go get that book and you come back in um about three three four months you got something to show me and we'll have a discussion so i went to joseph fox bookstore in philly doesn't exist anymore and i got that book drawing on the right side of the brain and i started drawing every night i got a construction working job every night i was um drawing from around you know five to eight o'clock and then lights out eight thirty up at up at five and um build i was doing framing i started uh framing houses and garages and porches and at uh three months later um i go back to her with this stack of, of drawings and mind you for me to draw at that point was like it, I, it was so freaking hard to, mm-hmm. to be able to look and then like draw mm-hmm. uh, it was excruciating but but it was like amazing because it was like a different perception of reality and um I had found what I was supposed to do with my life. And I went back and she's like looking through the drawings and she goes, you're going to get in. And I said, how can you tell me that? How are you? You're so sure I'm going to get in. And she goes, cause I'm the head of the, of the admissions department. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she pulls out 10 drawings and she said, use these for your portfolio and you sign up for a few classes at night. Um, and, and then um, I make sure you're in, in the fall. And that's how it started. And I ended up in, a, in the best school in the country to learn how to make Renaissance type art traditional art and this is amazing because my path led me to this through my whole life to this very moment even now that we're talking has led me to doing doing the right thing i just listen and i listen to what is told to me and i proceed um i always roll the dice and i always go for broke people say you're crazy how are you going to do that and then things work out um right have a Definitely the protection of something larger than myself. So yeah. that, is, that is my story. Wow. You know, it's even to look back at it, to go, how in the world did he even go to get into art? What made him choose art? But when you look at it and you go, you were in construction, you were still building, you were doing art in some type of aspect, you know, and, and to have that drawn into there is just, that's just amazing. You know, so, so you get through school and graduate, we, we know you graduated. What got you to um, push on forward into this industry? What drove you to do this? What did the, you hope to accomplish? The, here's the thing. You know, if you don't know a lot about what's going on in a situation, you're going to do things that you, if you did know would stop you. And I had right. of the resistance and the wall that was in place. So, um, I understand that most of the public is not into art, and rightly so, because there's really not a lot to pay attention to in the art world these days. Mm. It, it holds a lot of value, so you, that's why it, people are not getting interested in it. So I'm here to tell right. you that. So I had grown up in Italy, and I thought that like Michelangelo and Leonardo and Raphael and the and the Renaissance art that carried – the Western civilization forward from Europe into the rest of the world was what art was. I had no idea that you could do like splatter paintings on canvases or put cinder blocks on the ground and say, Oh, that's art. So I didn't know that. So, right. And that's what actually rules the art world. And I didn't know that there was this wall to stop the type of art that I made that because it was, it was, it's not promoted by Mm -hmm. uh, the media, nor is it promoted by. No, it's not. Or, um, you know, critics and and, and museums. It, there's all a wall to maintain a status quo, and it, this is a fascinating story because okay, here I am. I just made one of the largest freestanding memorial monuments that is completely figurative and Renaissance in style, mm-hmm. and that that is going up to commemorate the moment that this type of art got chopped and. Mm-hmm. World War One, if in case you don't know, it's like this horrible war where you move into industri- industry takes over and you go from men walking in formation prior to this war to now being in, thrown into an industrial war where it's complete butchery, 22 million deaths. And right. so 
this leaves the world like thinking, oh my God, well, there's no point. There is no divine order. There is no sense of, uh, you know, God. There is no unity to the universe. Everything is in chaos. And it's the beginning of this modern era that we now live in. And this modern era is all about like each one of us is alienated and not connected to each other, nor are we connected to something larger than ourselves? There's no belief system anymore. Right. It, it's independent of any thought that we are interwoven in one fabric of a, a divine order. That's gone. So here right. I am making a, com a composition with 38 figures that harkens back to the concepts that mm -hmm. I just. And that's the cool thing. It's like, who put this in my in my plate? It's like you, this doesn't happen randomly. No, this, it doesn't. This is absolutely conceived by something larger than myself, a direction. And all you have to do is listen to the path and you will be on the path that is correct. And all the hardships that I have encountered through my life to get to this point in time have been there to make my life a living hell, but make me stronger. So right. I through those things and and the only thing that has gotten me through is a belief system it's this massive sense that everything will be okay and better than i can ever imagine so is that this is not a way that most people think today and right. so I, I i what is so beautiful here is that the art and, and the concept of life are one they're indivisible and mm -hmm. so my the way that i create my art with so many parts to a figure and so many figures within a composition is all about how that is just one sculpture that tells one story and all those figures are unified together so right. that 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 is my my thoughts about art are also my thoughts about how i live my life and how i see the world right 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 so getting right into it um for those that that don't know um you put your name into a um a bid in back in 2015 yeah. for a project for the world war one memorial which is a story of a soul of an individual that will join the military and his entire career um <sighs> Just to get that bid is just amazing, you know, just seeing the fact of how you came across to just no job, no money to college, graduate. And now you're handed this humongous project, you know, yeah. that had been a huge undertaking. Um, and just explain to the people the World War One Memorial. And then I would like to show a clip of your first 11 figures on that. Cool. Uh, so the the it was this is crazy competition. Um, it started 2015, um, and I enter it with an architect. And this is in the, in the summer in 2015, and I had been told that I should enter. Um, 360 360 global teams enter this, and we all have to place bids. We all and it's a blind. They don't know the the judging panel doesn't know who who each each group is. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't make the final five and this is August and I'm like in my head, I'm like, I know this is not over. I, not it's, something's up here. And I think it was on September 13th. I get this email from this kid. He's 25 years old. His name's Joe Weishar and he's an architect. He doesn't even have an architectural license. And he goes, I would like you to partner up with me. Um, I, I want to do 110 feet of sculpture in this project. And so I call him and he's like flabbergasted that I would call him. And right. so go to the next meeting with Centennial Commission because they're, the they're the group that you got to go through all these commissions in D.C. because it, everything's a meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> D.C. the swamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's beyond swamp. It's a cesspool. <laughs> yes. So we get to these meetings and I'm like, I know we're going to win this because it's like Edwin Fountain, who's on this commission, he says, I want something like at the Capitol building, the Schrady sculpture, the Grant Memorial. I like that because those figures are very human. They're very active. They're very visceral. And so I was on track. I knew this is the direction I had to go. And the end of, at the end of January of 2016, sure enough, we win it. And then wow. uh, the show starts. And it is mm -hmm. one of the show because it's like you win this, but it's like you get you get it's like a, you're a newbie. You don't have no idea until you go to Washington what's going to happen. And you, and we get paraded around and, and brought over to the Capitol building and I meet all these 
politicians. I'm, I'm not, not impressed, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> and then I go in to meet the commission, and I'm like, okay, let's sit down and figure this out. And they're like, well, we have no money. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You have no money. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I just won this competition, and now you tell me you have no money. And it's like, yeah, so then, all right, well, you better figure something out. We, we figure something out after a little bit of fighting, and and that is the beginning of the ride. And it doesn't, I don't, I don't, ha, I don't get to go just sculpt. I have to go through a whole litany of commissions like the Commission of Fine Arts. They don't really want to see a project like this succeed. They're blocking it. it mm. and, and I don't, I, I have to design something for the next nine months. Um, compositionally, I do 18 iterations. This, this one is the 18th iteration that is finally massaged into place. I took 12,000 images of models. I went out and got real uniforms from um, a Vietnam veteran and Sula wow. Montana, who has a whole barn full of actual uniforms. And get this, these uniforms, I look in one of the pockets and I find photographs from 100 years ago of, <sighs> of the guy's family. This is like, oh, what? wow. Of course. And wow. So this is... This is incredible because it's like I, I'm getting all these little cues in my ear. Because here's the thing that I really want to stress, and here's why this piece is so important, and this is why I'm here with you tonight. This sculpture that I made is a sculpture about human beings. Mm -hmm. You went to Iraq, mm -hmm. and, and you suffered this similar experience, but in time travel 100 years forward. The people that went to that war suffered the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. And it never ends. And so I went to these meetings and I'm having a hundred people telling me, oh, we want some horses. Oh, we want more barbed wire. Oh, we need more trenches. Oh, we need mm -hmm. more. Okay. How about if you do some wagons and stuff too? And how about a machine gun pointing directly at you and a biplane? Mm -hmm. so, and my head is like on a swivel stick. It's going like. Yeah. Yeah. While their wheels are turning. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go. This is a funny story. I go into my into my bathroom in my studio, and I'm going to bath. I look up on the wall in front of me, and I have this poster. It's the Last Judgment. It's the Last by Michelangelo. And I, I I'm staring at it, and I'm incomplete. Like, oh my god, how am I going to pull this off? And I hear in my ear, in my in my head, I hear in my head, this voice in Italian. It says "Fai quello che sai," which means "Do what you know." And I have this eureka moment, and it's like. That it's it's do what you know, and it's you look at this last judgment, and it's pretzel of humanity, all of humanity. We're all gonna die, we're all mortal, and there it is, right in front of me. It's telling me how to do this composition, and from that moment on, I had clarity because I stepped back into what I know. So the Renaissance are the rebirth of man, and there's a strong connection here to a divine, something that guides man. It is not man alone; it is man who believes in something larger than himself and because of that has massive power. And that is why this project will have massive power in Washington and will change the direction of the art world because it brings back and harkens to plays forward the ideology that we are tied to something larger than ourselves. And mm -hmm. that is, that is incredible. This is a free miracle that this sculpture made it through all this process. I mean, I, that can go on because there were so many roadblocks and they continue to this very day. There are still roadblocks, right. but it, right. it's the belief system. And this is, this is the amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and that, the higher power is ultimately God that just made heaven and earth that is controlling everything. You know, he opens doors that no man can shut, you know, closes doors that no man can open. So, um, but I want to show the people a little video here. Your first, you got a video on your site that shows the first 11 figures. And I want to just give them a little piece of that before I show them the whole thing of your artwork that you did Thank that. So, um, Thank you. all right. So I'm going to do that real quick. Yes, there, here, and it is here. Oh, 
Ready? Here we go. How do we translate the drawing into sculpture? The issue is that what the machine does digitally is not what the mind does. It's different, but it's a lot to do also with. Um, see, the issue was like all these different sizes of jet propellers. So, see this. This is different. But Are you excited to start sculpting? Not so much. I'm not so excited to start, start, start sculpting. Why not? What's going on? Because I know what lies ahead. So we got this thing assembled, and I'm on the phone with commission this morning. And they, they got the pictures that you took, and they all were like, wow, this looks already done. Why does it need the models? Why does it need to like, spend all this time models? We just don't know. And the whole process up till now, which is about four years, it's this massive education of explaining and pushing. And I'm a very stubborn individual when it comes to my art. So the Just vision, <laughs> vision that I have, I'm holding it, and I have to push it forward. And that's what brought us to this point, and that's what brings us forward. If I start saying yes to everybody, the vision crumbles, sculpture falls apart, and we don't hit the end the way it's supposed to be. Because this is the level of the Korean War Memorial already, and Washington has never seen anything like what is about to come out of the studio. Well, what is your ultimate vision? How? What is, is the quality going to be? We're like? going to bring this to a level of humanism, showing it through how forms so flow and energy visually. So we're telling us a visual narrative, telling a story through how figures are posed and how the draperies pull and how the faces are, how the hands are tilted and how the energy is slow in places and fast in other places. And that's that's concept that has not been done because it's a lost language that we are putting back on the map with the crew here at the studio. It's a marathon, four-year marathon. Oh, oh my gosh, that is just amazing. I mean, just the the beginning of the story right there. I mean, for me as a vet, I just I felt that you know, thank, thank you. of leaving leaving home, you know, and yeah, that that gets you, you know, and um, you have logged over forty five thousand hours. Um, I'm reading of working from. And with just life models. Well, that at this point, I think we're close to eighty thousand. Oh my goodness! 80, yeah, 000. because you do two thousand hours a year. Uh huh. By that, I've been doing this for um forty, 
42 years. So um, that gets you around 80,000 hours. Um, the, the things that I have done in the studio are things that most people would find very tedious and, but I, it's my form of meditation and I have gone very deep into studying human beings. And mm -hmm. this is a translation. Art is a translation of reality and your yes. perception of what you see is always driven by your education and what you know. And in art school and my culture of being in Italy was driven by all this incredible sense of anatomy, but based on what I talked about before, the unified figure. So you have like a skeleton that's, and you pose the figure, uh, the gesture of each figure is like posed by how you do that skeleton. And then the muscles okay. on the skeleton are spiraling around like energy. Mm -hmm. And this is the way the world operates. It, it, this is the way God created the universe. And so I have learned the actual um, structured, how things are assembled, the divine order of how things are assembled. And I can look at models and translate them. And I right. see things because my eyes see these things because it is driven by what I learned. So what, mm -hmm. you, what you know teaches you what to look for and you see things that others don't. And the reason I'm saying this is because if you have a faith, you see things that others do not see. because And it gives you and an empowerment to pass through the most torturous moments of your life and come out on the other side because the light always brings you there. And my, my art does not work in darkness. Sculpture is invisible in the dark, but when you put light on it and you shine light on it, it explodes in a, a symphony of luminosity. And that... Right. There is such depth to this type of work that was created in Western civilization. That is what we're pulling forward. Right. Um, it's a miracle that this will come to pass. And I, I said to you prior to the show, you know, Monica, the biggest thing I learned in this process is I learned to be in service of something greater than myself. And right. I'm in so many things. Also, you guys mm -hmm. that served. It's incredible. What I mean, I went out then at the midpoint on the project, and I went and got veterans because I needed to learn more about you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I, that's that's a deep story about what yes. I about you know PTSD yeah. called it shell shocked in this in World War One. Right. Um, the main figure, the father figure in this in this project is is comes out at the three quarter mark, and he's coming right out at the viewer, and he's completely confused. Um, he doesn't mm -hmm. know what has hit him. He has passed through a battle, and this is he is at in the middle of the cost of war section right after the battle scene, and he is the center, the focus of the whole project. And he will right. be lit at night with these uh, illuminated lights 75 feet up above from the three-quarter mark coming down and bringing them off the stage, which is that background. And I right. think in deep, deep respect of you guys, because I don't um, think, appreciate it. I do not think that the, that the people that hired me realize they they do realize yes we are paying homage to veterans universally and every mm -hmm. war, but the depth of this project has never been done before. There's never been the vet. This is the soldier's story. This is his story. This yeah. is your story. this has never been done before. It is very yeah. very human. Very unique. So you, um, just even the showing of that, you know, and, and if you're here listening, we're, we're, um, we're interviewing uh, Sabin Howard. He is the master sculpture artist on a World War I memorial, a soldier story that is representing all veterans of all areas of all deployments. So um, his website, if you want to check him out, is SabinHoward.com, and you can check out all his stories on there. But Sabin, you have created this World War One um, memorial that has is it, 38 figures on there that tells the entire story. Yeah, like, I, can, I can take you through the story. Do you have a visual on it, or I, or I can narrate to you what happens in it, whatever you like. Yes, yes, I've got your your video on here. Let me get that and bring this here. Yes. And I am going to go.
to create sacred art, you must create some. It's just the one you're talking about. Uh, there's this. This helps, uh, but it's a different one. It's the one that just shows this uh, one side to the other. All right. Of the memorial. Let me grab then. It's a short one. I think it's 30 seconds or 45 seconds. Um. You're talking the memorial, right? That's, uh, that's. Not it either. I'm looking at your times here. Um, Is that it? No. Creates the massive World War One. There's Englewood, New Jersey. It's just a short one that shows. Um, the model, the five-foot model of the memorial. There's no pictures of humans. It's just sculpture. I don't know if it's up there. Mm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No. Figurative art and digital world, a day in the life. The the big wall will give you an idea. The one above. This one here. Yeah, to the left. Oh, yeah, that one will give you an idea of it. That's scale. Yeah. It gives you. That's our studio in Englewood. There's no sound on it though, right now. I'm going to share with you and last night because I think it, it's important that you guys know that. The sculpture has very deep significance and who we're doing it for. This is one letter. I get a lot of them, but I thought this was really like impactful and shows we're on the right track. All of you, everyone here. I'm very grateful that you're all in it with me. Dear sir, as a vet, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you and your wife have done to memorialize our World War I vets in a manner reminiscent of the Greek and Roman traditions. I personally can't wait to see the memorial in person. I can only hope that any memorials erected honoring the conflicts I served in are rendered with the same thoughtfulness, passion, devotion, and professionalism you put into your National World War Memorial. Thank you again. Respectfully yours, Vincent Stella. When you get a letter like that to have nice. the emotional impact already starting to like trickle in, it's definitely meaningful, you know, it adds like a whole nother layer to my experience here. Cause for me, it kind of helps zoom out a little bit, I guess, and remember the power of the actual art that we're making. Let's do your hours. It's the week, it's the 30th week of sculpting. We've got about 20 more. Number two, kneeling dad. Charlie worked on him this week. He's got 450 hours. I think he's probably got another 100 hours you'll have to do on him. I have to wow. have X amount of hours on each one, and it's nowhere near what I would like. So you better be executing and proceeding with maximum effort and full focus every single time you show up. Because you know all planes that face the same direction with a single source of light are of equal value. Plates or the planes are like... You know, I got to interject right here is that you know, it's got to be so, um, it's got to be very, very stressful between the both of you as the sculptor and as him to be able to just be still that long, you know, as you sculpt is, that's, that's, that's pretty an intense day and tiring day on both sides. Yeah, which, so basically you're, this is not, it, art was once like this where you have right. um, a deep, deep education. Um, and that education gave you like a, a, a like a, a structure and like almost like tracks that a train can run on. So you worked within that, and that that gave you then the ability to express yourself. 
but first you had to learn your, you know, your craft and emulate master, the, your masters. And then from there, then you could begin to express yourself. So it's a very long, deep journey to make this type of art. And so we, we've moved into a system today that really anything goes. Um, and and, it, and it's, it's really a shame because it, it, it means that any sort of rubbish can be passed off as um, something that's art where it's really not because it's, and here's the problem. And this stems back to the concept that um, I, I see myself differently than modern artists do. Okay. So mm-hmm. um, I, I feel that I am a conductor. I'm a piece of metal that is conducting an energy through my hands and my, my, my perception of, of, of life. And I'm, I'm manifesting it into clay, but it's being driven by a, a source that is out, external to me. So it, I didn't, I didn't, it's not about so much about Saban Howard at all. It's more about playing forward something greater than myself. And I, what happened is when you get this um, more modern art ideology that artists become egos and they are, they, they take the place of God and they, they are the creators of their art. Yes. And, and that's great, but it's, they're not paying homage to something that is actually sustaining their life force energy. Mm-hmm. And and so that it, this is becomes modern art becomes a statement about the expression of an individual's ego. And ultimately it's a puny little ego in comparison to the universe. Mm-hmm. So if you are amplifying that wavelength, you're basically making something that's like what a 14 year old boy would be making. It's, it's, it, it doesn't have a lot of strength and value. It's not going to stand up. Right. And, and so if you are more tapped into your tradition and I'm lucky because I came out of Europe and Europeans have more of a, a bond with history in the past. So I look to like the history of the past, like the Greco Roman tradition or the Renaissance tradition. And I say, wow, that's an incredible source of knowledge that I need to study. I need to assimilate that, and then I need to play it forward. And yeah. by forward, what I'm doing is I'm connecting to my to these masters, and those are my guides. They guide me forward. And, I, and because I'm born today, I have a different experience than they did. So it's completely unique. It's not like what they did. I'm not copying what they did. I live in completely different times. My perception of reality is based in like my moments of living in New York City and, and being in ghettos like the South Bronx or East Harlem. That's where my shop my shops were. Mm-hmm. And you learn things there that then you play forward in your art. And though that's your unique experience, but still I'm working within a paradigm that it, that is way larger than myself. And that that is what this project's about. And I, I, I had a very interesting conversation with um, actually General Flynn. Um, mm-hmm. Gen- General Flynn came to the studio and he was blown away by the the memorial that we did. He he was like, "You, that this is it. This is the this is the mini model of it playing mm-hmm. right now." Um, he said, "You get our story, and everybody yeah. everybody under who has been in war understands it. It's because when we go out there and we get thrown into battle." We want to get back. We want to get back home to the people exactly. that we love, the ones that are our home, our family. Those are the people that bring us back to, to, they get us through the crap. That's what is our tie. And this is, this is what this sculpture is about. The first and the very last figure are the daughter of this man. And so the first scene he leaves his daughter. She, he kneels. The dad kneels in front of the daughter, and she hands him uh, his helmet. And his wife is right behind him with her hands on his shoulder. And the next scene, the heroic mom is now holding the soldier with one arm, and the other arm is being pulled by the Brotherhood of Arms. So he's being torn between family and the Brotherhood of Arms in service. And then you wow. have a gap. You have this gap in the um, the ground, and the next is a battle scene where it's like almost like a, a school of fish that are all it's a unified force, all like kinetic, massive energy that, that's animalistic driving forward, and each of those faces is like in full on tilt 
of screaming rage and just yeah. you know heroic. So completely different feelings, different right. range of feelings. Yeah, yeah. And the very very central figure. There's a the dad appears again, and this time he is leading all these um, soldiers in the battle, and it's reminiscent of the soldier Dan Daly, who was a Marine, who said, "Come on, you want to live forever." Um, mm-hmm. He was a Marine out of New York in World War One. Um, right. The post I made for him is he's lunging forward. He's his head is in a full on scream of charge forward, and his chest is completely exposed. And his arms are back almost in a crucifix. In one arm, he holds his gun. Um, and it's, why did I come up with a pose like that? Because the heart is completely open and exposed. And this is the most courageous thing that he could possibly do because it's a power from the heart, but it's also this explosive dynamism forward. And it's reminiscent a little bit of a crucifix type pose, but you would never know it looking at it. Right. So the next section called the cost of war and mm. there's a, a dying soldier in the ground um it's almost like a dying christ figure and it's a pieta type um uh fit composition with two other soldiers one's a medic an older medic uh-huh. and the other one is a soldier and i started using veterans at this point the, the medic is actually um this man joe who was a, a, a captain out of iraq um oh. he's 23 year uh Marine in uh-huh. service. Um, I learned a lot from these guys because it, it was a way for me to make the sculptures have even more energy from the experience of being in battle. And then you go into the next figure, which is the shell-shocked soldier coming directly out at you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I started here with um, another Marine out of Afghanistan, he became a full-time employee, Ricky Zambrano. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I watched that story. Amazing. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky is, a, is a testament to sheer, sheer willpower to survive. And the head is a ranger, Chris Renberg, who, who lives up here near me in Connecticut. I used his face. Um, he, he was out of Iraq as well. Um, and then the next scene is, is another uh, nurse. Uh, uh, and so he is so surrounded by nurses. So the figure before him is a, a very powerful nurse holding up a gas man who is um, holding his head and his eyes in his hand because he's been mustard gassed. And um, she is the one in control. She is the powerful one. And the soldier has gone mad. On the other side of the shell shock figure, now he jumped to a head, is the other nurse. This is called the superhero section. And this mm-hmm is carrying a soldier who cannot walk anymore. She's very, very powerful. I went out and got an IFBB, uh, in, uh, Federation bodybuilder, uh, uh-huh. to use for the legs. I used another woman for the ribcage and the core, and I used um, the daughter of a colonel for the head of this nurse. And... Um, the next grouping then is I use uh, Ricky Zambrano, the Marine, for the head underneath the flag is called the Three Amigos section. Uh, this section <coughs> is they're carrying a wounded soldier. The wounded soldier is a Navy SEAL. This Navy SEAL served in Iraq. Oh, no, sorry, Afghanistan. Um, Matt. Uh, and then there is a black man on the other side of him. And then the final grouping is the parade scene where I put uh, Chris Renberg's face mm-hmm. and Ricky Zambrano's body, a Marine. And um, then I used a, a Marine, a Korean Marine who's a, a cop in uh, New Jersey for the head. Um, and then uh, the final scene is the dad returning home and he hands his daughter um, the helmet and she is the next generation, which is World War II, and it just continues. Wow, wow. It's just amazing. So you put this sculpture together, and um, uh, you're getting ready to present this entire thing um, over in Washington, D.C., September 13th, 2024, over at um, Pershing Park. Yeah. Um, What happened when you're getting ready to present this what what made you come to the podcasters? 
the pod, doing the podcast is my way of connecting with you guys who served. On September 13th of this year, we are going to do a candlelit ceremony. Um, this is open to the public that mm-hmm. evening uh, at 7 o'clock during the day. Um, they, they're, the commissioners obviously did a land grab, and they're doing their thank to the donors. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to be PC here. I'm. I. I. This sculpture is is not for corporate money. Corporate money paid for it, and I am grateful. Uh-huh. This sculpture is for people that have entered into the military, and I have learned as an outsider that there is nothing more noble than to sacrifice one's mental health and one's physical well-being for one's country. That is something sacred. And so what I did is make a sculpture that unequivocally identifies with the sacredness of entering into the military because I elevated the stature of humanity to a very noble, graceful, powerful, you know, mm-hmm. compass that speaks well of. There's nothing ironic here at all. It is only about rising to the occasion. There is not a single victim no, no matter whether he is dead or dying in this composition or wounded, they mm-hmm. are all portrayed as heroic being, beings rising to the occasion. And right. so this doesn't go along with any of the ideology that's currently in the art world. This goes into a whole different paradigm that we need to carry forward and preserve. And so I'm very excited because I've got a lot of letters from veterans saying, you know, thank you. And to me, yeah. that more than anything, because that means I did my job. I did my yes. job. Yes. So yeah. you have not gotten any help um, from big media. Um, you haven't gotten help from, from the government at all. Um, no. uh, so right. it's basically bringing you right as a government, you know? So um, what happened? Was it just like they all of a sudden said, no, we don't want this? Did they Did they just not like you in the beginning? What was uh, it that they you didn't get any help? We I got a contract to do the sculpture. Uh, I think that the people that began the contest, the Centennial Commission, are very happy with the project. Right. Because, you know, it's done at a very high level, and speaks very well for our country as well. Yeah. Uh, very respectful. Um, they are very happy, but I, I, I don't think that the, um, the media, the mainstream media is interested in portraying something that speaks well of humanity and elevating the human spirit. So if I were, if I had done something that spoke about victimization or, mm-hmm. uh, yep something that was less heroic in nature, mm-hmm. I would have been paid attention to. Also, uh, you know, I'm strongly for Western civilization playing forward. I am strongly for the concept of, you know, we the people. And exactly. the sculpture is for we the people. This sculpture was made for this country, especially the veterans that have served, and to remember those that are no longer with us. And right. also give back to the people that now live without, you know, a member of their family, yes. or a son, or a father, or a brother. The those families, or someone who comes without a leg or in a wheelchair mm-hmm. because they got hit by a landmine. So this mm-hmm. is this is my way of saying, hey guys, you need to be honored, and I gave you everything I had. For the last eight and a half, nine years. And I'm I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud to be also, you know, part of this you know, country. And I I, mm-hmm. if, I I am half Italian and I but I am very, very adamant that I never would have achieved what I achieved if I had been in a different country. The potential right. is amazing and it should not be lost. It should right. not be lost. So right. that's my yeah. Yeah, my it goes to, yeah. 
it goes to even, you know, the, the lack of patriotism in mainstream media is not there anymore. You know, now if you to come up with some piece for like the ABC community or the BLM community, you know, oh yeah, let's give it all, you know, it's proper place and right up front to whereas, you know, they claim all of these, you know, the month of June is their month, but yet the veteran gets one day, you yeah. know, and then, you know, we're just uh we're just forgotten you know and the way you bring this forward is just amazing so um you are out there basically yeah go ahead i I want to say that you know we all have red blood yes if you you get stabbed you get shot every one of us bleeds the same color blood stop with nonsense of like making this divisiveness and here's the other the other bit of nonsense that's been going on for quite a while you know these guys that went off the doughboys that went off to fight 100 years ago they weren't mm-hmm. Democrats, they weren't republicans they were americans so yeah. get with this and just stop with the divisiveness and the fighting because that's exactly what the rest of the world wants to see happen so exactly. is, is this enough it, it's just the the disease of me is destroying the sense of serving something larger than yourself. And that's what this project is about. Um, I'm not a quiet person. And so now I'm, you know, this, I'm coming out on podcast and to speak about this. And, and, and I want to drive a lot of you guys to September 13th to come see this unveiling of this sculpture and be honored for who you are. You know, that's, that's why this is not, that's the purpose of September 13th for me. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I know when when I when I got this call last week um from your agent, you know, and I, I was like, wait, what? Who is this? How did you get my name? You know, all of this. But it came from apparently um you got a couple spokesperson um people that are helping you out with this with General Flynn and, and Kelsey Grammer. Um and and ha- how do they see this? Have they seen the artwork? What are they saying in, in reply to the talent? that they're looking at right there in the story before them? Uh, well, I think that what well, we just spoke about it very clearly, it's a pride in being American. And, right. Uh, also the sense that this country is different than the rest of the countries of the world because of the constitution. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it is owned by we, the people, not the government. And so the what what General Flynn is saying and Kelsey Grammer and Jordan Peterson are this is a sculpture that speaks about the sacred and upholds Western Western civilization and the values that are of tremendous importance in playing forward a history that is rich and full. And it here's the thing, you get a lot of people that say, Oh, down with this, down with this, all these things yes. destroy. But what do you do when you have a void that you have now torn down certain things that had value? There is no replacement of the sacred with something that is sacred. There is a destruction of the sacred and a replacement of that void mm-hmm. with, a, with, with, with nonsense and rubbish, with, with zero, with nothing. So mm-hmm. you want to destroy all these tenants that bind us together like family or the sense of the divine or mm-hmm. the sense of Western civilization and the sacred and, and destroy it and say that it is something of the past and archaeological. Okay. Right. Well, then what are you replacing that with? And, and, and that's where you, I start scratching my head because you're not really, you're destroying, but you're not creating. And mm-hmm. I have a strong problem with that because I am one to make things. I made something that's 60 feet long. It's a memorial to us, to, to humanity, mm-hmm. to human beings, not to anything else. And so right. uh, the, you guys, like you, Monica, you gave your life in service of something. And you lived right. in places that nobody could even comprehend. The, the, it's like nobody understands who has not been in that club. I have right. an inc- because of the people that I worked with. Uh, and I, my turning point happened in the very beginning of this project 
when I worked with um, a friend of mine, James. James is a contractor in New York City and does very well financially. And James said, I would like to be a model. He's from the UK. I said, James, come on. You don't need to work for me. You got you make plenty of money. He said, no, it's not about that. So he came in and he was the catalyst. He brought all this energy to posing. Wow. And so I was like, James, you got to tell me why you want to do this. So we, after after we finished one of the uh, photo, the photo sessions to figure out the, the poses, uh-huh. everybody's left. He comes over and he goes, all right, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. It's kind of serious. So, all right, James, tell me. And said, OK, well, my great grandfather served in World War One, but he never came back. And so I understand, James, I can understand why this is important to you then. But no, it's deeper than that. Right. My uncle served as well. My great uncle came back, came back, and with his service revolver, proceeded to shoot his wife, mm-hmm. daughter, and mm-hmm. then. And I grew up in that home. Yeah, and that was the catalyst that it it lit a, yeah. a burning fire in me to show the world that this was a war that human beings suffered in, and all wars are that is who suffers the hu- human beings. They are yeah. the ones. I'm the pawns, the people that are, are you know, your government property as a soldier. I'm not yes. telling you anything, no, that you don't know. Yes. And, it, and, the, and the more training you get, the more valuable you are. And the more yes. that precautions will be taken to save your life. Well, yes. okay. So this is what I learned from Ricky Zambrano, a Marine who came back from Afghanistan and went through a horrible existence, gaining 150 pounds being told by the VA to take 18 different pills. And then he was in a blur. And then, yeah, you know, one I evening, remember being there. <laughs> yeah, he, Ricky decides, I can't go anymore. And he tries to off himself with these pills. And there was something inside of him that lifted him up and brought him to the bathroom. And he threw up his pills. And his life began then because he realized that nobody was going to come and save him. That his power and his strength was within him. and. I started listening to this and I began mm-hmm. to realize that there are no atheists in the foxhole. No, that's, there's not. That's the truth. If when you guys get into these horrible situations, you all come together. You don't go start fighting and becoming divisive. You all you all might all kneel down together and give thanks to God for every moment of your life and how much time you have left on the planet. Yeah. And that's yeah. my way of saying this project is in remembrance of you and that's what the sculpture is about as well wow man you just you know you just such talent such heart and to to have vets come in i think it really shed light you know on your life to be able to understand the impact of what it means when a soldier signs a blank check now a soldier even whether it's in italy during world war one whether it's america the fact that a soldier signed that check a blank check to their people to say, I will give up my life yeah. for the, for the freedom of my people back home or my family or whoever it is, you know, it's a great cost. And to understand that you really put it into perspective with this story. And, and um, so, I, I mean, I'm totally just, just blown away. So um, you're doing this unveiling um, September 13th. And um, we just want to invite all of you, if you are close to D.C., can get to D.C., um, I would encourage you to show up, support him. And I know I will be sharing this video to all of the veterans that follow me. You know, I've got over 3,000 vets that follow me. So I will be sharing this story just with them. It's the not support me because I'm, I'm, I'm not anyone here. I'm... I made the sculpture, but the, this is to support you guys, to support yeah. your, your story, a soldier's journey. That's what it's for. It's to celebrate veterans. That's why yes. That's why I'm coming on these podcasts. Nobody else yeah. is going to do it. So I'm no. taking a bull no. by the horns, and I'm going into that arena, and by God, I'm going to wrestle that bull to the ground. Yeah, yeah. It looks like you have. You know, you have, and, and I hope that the – the support is there for you that they show up and we get this story out there. And, yeah. um, thank you, Monica. Um, thank you so much, Saban, for, for coming. And um, I just, I just hope, and I thank you that for, 
just the talent. You know, you got to give credit where credit is due. You Thank have you. a God-given talent. Thank you. And Thank um, keep yeah. going. You keep going. You keep striving and don't stop. Don't let anybody stop you from doing what you're doing. So, appreciate, appreciate that. It was really a pleasure to be on with you today. It's a, a, a really thankful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on here and just have a blessed rest of your week. You too. Keep in touch. You, all right. I will. All right. Good. Well, hello and welcome to Coffee Break with God, the podcast where we explore the wonders of faith in everyday life. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode, We'll have a conversation with a guest who will share their stories, insights, and wisdom on how they connected with God in the midst of their busy and chaotic world. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or whatever you like, and join us on a coffee break with God.